You're listening to the Just Japan podcast. Everything you want to know about Japan. Hey guys, welcome back to episode number six of the Just Japan podcast. I'm your host, Kevin O'Shea, coming to you from Kobe, Japan. And I'm a Canadian living and working in Japan. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I just want to tell you a little bit about the Japan podcast, or the Just Japan podcast. It's a podcast, well, about Japan, about all aspects of Japan. Pretty much anything you want to know, we're going to try to cover uh, in future episodes of the Just Japan podcast. Whether it be working in Japan, living in Japan, raising children in Japan, hobbies you can have in Japan, travel in Japan, everything from karate to anime to uh, kendo to cooking Japanese food, you name it, we're going to try to cover it. And that's in a nutshell what the Just Japan podcast is. Now, if you're tuning back in and you've listened before, you've already subscribed, thank you so much. It's been an amazing ride so far. This is only episode number six. And two weeks ago, um, the Just Japan podcast was ranked number one on the Jellycast weekly podcast charts. And the Jellycast charts, the Jellycast is the hosting service that I use for the Just Japan podcast. And we were number one with more than 5,000 downloads that week. And just last week, we were number two on the Jellycast charts with more than 4,000 downloads. And I'm just really amazed. I'm impressed with how many people are listening to the Just Japan podcast and, and the amazing feedback I'm getting from so many of you. It's really encouraging and that's the kind of thing that keeps me going and keeps me wanting to put out uh, this podcast because it's uh, it's fun to do. I'm really enjoying this. Um, like I mentioned before, I think in episode number one, I did have a podcast back in 2008 and uh, I, had, I had a good time doing that but when uh, the addition of my son came to uh, my family, uh, it was a little bit uh, difficult to to find time to to uh, to juggle um, working, uh, doing YouTube, having a family, and podcasting. So I, I hung up my podcasting earphones, but I'm back. I'm back. So my goal with the Just Japan podcast is to basically just put a, a, a great show each week and to get better and better and better as I learn. I think you'll notice that there's a big difference between episode number one and this one, episode number six, um, and the quality. I've got a new microphone. I'm learning new things. I'm learning uh, more, more, you know, uh, techniques with when it comes to editing and mixing and all of that kind of thing. And I want to, uh, you know, make sure it, it just sounds better, better, more professional. Also, you know, I want to continue to have great guests on. And so far, we've had some wonderful guests on the Just Japan podcast. And uh, of course, today is no different. Um, I do have a, a wonderful guest on today, and the topic of Just Japan, uh, the Just Japan podcast, episode number six, is geocaching in Japan. And if you're not sure what geocaching is, it's a wonderful hobby. It's kind of like a, a treasure hunt for grown-ups, and we're going to learn a lot more about that. Um, I, I'm a geocacher. I do a little bit of geocaching, but I'm going to be talking to an Osaka, Japan resident who is a long-term expat here in Japan and a good friend of mine who knows a heck of a lot more about geocaching than I do. March here in Japan, and this show will be released on March 11th, which is kind of an auspicious occasion. That is the third anniversary of the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. And last week's episode was kind of a memorial episode to that. that last week's episode, episode number five, was dedicated to that. And 
in episode number five. If you haven't listened already, I interviewed an American teacher living here in Japan. He lives in Kobe, Japan. He's one of my coworkers at the moment. And he lived in the Fukushima region. Actually, he lived in Fukushima Prefecture when the earthquake and tsunami happened. And he, he wasn't that far away from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear reactor. And he had to be evacuated. And in, in that episode, he told quite a harrowing tale of his experience. Something very different than the experience I had. Uh, I was here at the time of the earthquake, but I was uh, safe and sound far away in Kobe, Japan. So um, if, if you're interested in learning more about the earthquake and the tsunami, go back, check out episode number five. Now, here in Japan, it is March, and the Japanese school year is coming to a close. Not just the Japanese school year, but the fiscal year in general. Japanese companies are wrapping up their fiscal year. Um, new employees for companies will be starting work. Coming up soon, the beginning of April, um, new employees at companies who are who are just who have just graduated from university are referred to as freshmen. Freshmen are new company workers, so you'll be seeing lots of young men and women walking around with shiny new suits, black suits, black briefcases, and all of that. Now, as far as the school year goes, it is ending for me. Um, I'm wrapping up my time teaching at a Japanese middle school and some elementary schools, and in April I'll be back to teaching at an international school. So I'm currently working in Osaka. I'll be working in Kobe in April, but in Osaka, my junior high school is finishing up. I've already completed two elementary schools. Um, I've finished working at two, one more on Wednesday. Um, and at my junior high school, uh, what would be in Canada or America, the ninth graders, uh, they call them Sanensei here, they're graduating on Friday. And the, the, the kind of odd thing I find as a Canadian, the, the graduating class, the son and say kids, they already wrote their final exams back in January. Like two months ago. Isn't it amazing? I don't know how that works. Well, I, I do know how it works. Basically, in Japan, um, not only do they have to write their final exams for their junior high school, but they actually have to write entrance exams for high school. Whether you're going to a private high school or a public high school, you have to write entrance exams. So the kids wrote those in February, the end of February, and some of them are actually still doing it now. The private school entrance exams are finished. There were the first round of public school entrance exams have been completed, but some students didn't get in to high school. So they have a chance to wait a few more weeks, study, cram, 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 try to stuff as much information in their brains as they possibly can, and they've got another kick at the can. They've got another chance to write that entrance exam. What happens if they don't pass round two? I'm not really sure. But, um, so that's it. So, so they're going to be finishing on Friday, and the Ichinensei and Ninensei, which are the, the equivalent of the 7th and 8th graders, they will be finishing up, at least at my school, on the 24th of March. And my last day will be on the 31st of March. And then the following day, I start a new job in a new city. I'm pretty excited about that. I'll be sad to say goodbye to my coworkers. Um, I really respect the people I work with at my junior high, a great group of really hardworking professional educators and uh, it's been a learning experience that is for sure as I already mentioned the topic of the podcast this week will be geocaching in Japan and uh, I thought for a topic like this there would be no other person no better person to bring on than my friend PJ now PJ uh, once upon a time was an active youtuber known as Kansai PJ and currently he is working as a university instructor at several um, universities in the Kansai region, and he's also working on his PhD at the moment. And aside from that, he is a very active geocacher. 
He no longer makes YouTube videos, and I understand why. He is a busy, busy man. Actually, one of the busiest people I know, yet he finds time during his commutes and his daily uh, endeavors to, to geocache. And the man himself, he's got more than 400 geocaches logged, which is very impressive. And I just want to let you all know that G uh, PJ and I are good friends. He's one of uh, the first people I met, foreigners I met, when I came to Japan in 2008. And we met through YouTube. And we, we still stay in contact on a regular basis. He's a good friend of mine. We've got a great rapport. Uh, we used to have a YouTube cha uh, channel called Two Beers in Asia. So we're two good old friends who enjoy talking. So I just want to let you know that, of course, we do talk about geocaching. But we do get sidetracked a few times. And at one point, we kind of start talking about figure skating. The upcoming world championships are going to be in Saitama, Japan. And he's going to be going up there to actually check out some of the figure skating championships and to do some geocaching. And we, we get sidetracked and start talking about the Sochi Olympics and uh, figure skating. But you can forgive us for that. It's I think it's still pretty interesting to listen to. Um, no, it is. It's not, I don't think so. It is interesting. And we get back to talking about geocaching. So uh, let's sit back and enjoy the interview. Please hang up and try again. Hey, um, everyone, it's Kevin here with the Just Japan podcast number six interview. And of course, today I've already mentioned that we are talking about geocaching in Japan. And really, when I think of geocaching in Japan, um, which is something I've done a little bit of, there are two names that pop into my mind. First of all, actually, honestly, is the man who introduced me, introduced me to geocaching in Japan, and that would be John uh, Saleh. I believe that's how you pronounce yeah, it, John. John Soleil, if I if if I did not pronounce it properly, I am so sorry. Um, your your last name, but John Soleil, he um he lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and his wife is from nearby, actually, just outside of Osaka and Amagasaki. So he uh, he's been following me on YouTube for several years, and and he pops by um, Japan every one or two years, and um, he took me geocaching for the first time, and. Uh, and then, of course, when I think of geocaching, I think of my my good friend, my my old friend. Actually, one of my first friends here. One of my <laughs> old friend. I don't like that term. When, when I say old, I don't mean your age. I'm talking about you were actually one of uh, the first good friends I've made uh, when I came to Japan. Mm. And this is PJ. Um, Hello. Some of you out there might know him as Kansai PJ, and many of you may not. But uh, PJ lives in a PJ lives in Osaka, and um, I actually met PJ. Wow, actually. Not long after I came to Japan. When was um, that? Um, that was 2008. That was 2008. Eight. Yeah, 2008. And I think I I met you probably only a couple of months after I arrived here. Probably, and I, yeah. And I, I met you and Christina. Mm, uh, Christina good times. K, KKA Japan. Yeah. Um, who is now living in the states? And uh, but yeah. So um, first of all, before we get into talking about geocaching. Okay. Um, PJ, can you can you uh, tell tell the people there who are listening to the Just Japan podcast, who who are you and uh, where you're from and what are you doing in Japan? Wow, that, that that's an in, out in, there. in a nutshell. In a nutshell, uh, again, my name is PJ. Um, I used to be a YouTube blogger, so some people may know me back in the day. Um, I still watch YouTube, including your channel and others, but. I don't actively put, you know, make content anymore, uh, just because I'm just too busy and, and variety. I have YouTube issues, but um, <laughs> I I've been in Japan. This is my third time living here. I've been here three times total, about 14, 15 years, right on that, right, right about now. Um, I'm a university teacher, a graduate student, a PhD student. Um, what else? I live in Osaka, Japan, and I'm from the United States, uh, from all over, but basically Hawaii. 
and I've been like I've been here for the my la the third time to live here. I've been here now for a little over eleven years, or no, about ten years. So it's been a long time. Okay. Yeah, and actually, um, uh, you mentioned that you you were a YouTuber uh, yeah. at one point, and it kind of from what I remember from our <laughs> back um, in the day from from back in the day the history, um, you actually stopped YouTubing right around the time I think you started your master's program, right? Uh, yes, and then so, I briefly took it back up, but then you briefly yeah. took it back up. But I mean, um, so when I first met PJ, he was working as a teacher at a private high school. Yes, um, and then he began his masters, and now he's working on his PhD. You're a lot busier than you were when I first met you. Unfortunately, that is true. Yeah. Um, well, fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, PJ, I asked you to yes. come on the Just Japan podcast today to talk about geocaching. Yeah. And a lot of people out there. And this is a very interesting. I mean, a lot of people there don't know what geocaching is. Sure. I I first heard about it when I listened to an episode of the Stuff You Should Know podcast, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With with Chuck Bryant and Josh. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, I can't remember, but I've been I've been listening to that podcast actually since 2008. Um, uh, and it's it's a quite a big podcast now. It yes. has been for some time. But they did a uh, they did an episode about what is geocaching. And that was probably about four years ago. And then it was probably about a year after that I met John Soleil. Mm -hmm. um, he, he contacted me and he'd follow me on YouTube. And he, he was visiting Japan and he said, uh, Kevin, I'd like to meet up with you and take you geocaching. Um, so, but you know a heck of a lot more about it than I do. So, um, bit, sure. Well, you've you've got definitely a lot more experience than I do. So, well, I have four hundred some caches. So, <laughs> yeah, and I've got about twenty. <laughs> but again, you do have two children and a life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, neither here nor there. Um, okay. You you got a lot of experience. Uh, so uh, so for, for the I, I think we can probably um, we can assume that the majority of people probably listening to this episode of Ju the Just Japan podcast probably don't know what geocaching is. Sure. So. For for the layman out there, wh okay. what is geocaching? Succinctly, and you know that's hard for me, but yeah. succinctly, I <laughs> would say... You know say, what? It doesn't matter. We've got no time limits here, sir. Go yeah. ahead. But still, um, to make your editing easier, uh, succinctly, geocaching is a GPS-based uh, scavenger hunt or, or travel... What do they call it? Treasure hunt. Treasure. Yeah, I, I like to call it. I, I always talked about it as I refer to it as like a treasure hunt for grown-ups. Exactly. Basically, what happens is uh, if you have a uh, smartphone or a GPS receiver, um, you're given a set of coordinates plus a description, and that in that description may be a hint or a picture or a suggestion, and you go to the general location. And as you know, GPS is not very accurate on civilian devices maybe 10 meters, 20 meters, if yeah. you're lucky. And then you use the hint or the picture or whatever they've written in the description uh, to find specifically what they call a cache, which is basically a hidden container. Uh, can be in the countryside, can be in the city, can be anywhere. There are more than six, no, no I'm sorry. There are more than two and a half million yeah, uh, yeah. I think hidden like caches right now, and there are I don't know how many in Japan, but probably around twenty thousand. I'm guessing that's just a rough guess. Mm -hmm. But the idea is you just use your uh, and I use a smartphone. I have a GPSR, but I have I normally use my smartphone. And for me, because I I work very uh, a lot, a very a lot. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> we're very a lot. Okay. 
<laughs> I work a lot, and then I study a lot, as you know, on weekends. So you, for you, me, work, you work in many locations. In three locations right now, three universities in the Kansai. And uh, when I'm looking, I don't have time for a hobby. I don't have like eight hours or six hours, as you, you understand. Uh, it, for different reasons, you're in a similar position. Yeah, um, yeah the nice thing about geocaching is that you can do it at the end of a day or you can do it on the way to or from work or, or whatever. Um, there are so many caches uh, in Japan, particularly in the Kansai and the Kanto near Tokyo, that I, because I worked in three or four locations, it's easy for me to hit one or two caches every day that I'm working. Uh, whereas you work in one location. Uh, it's a little bit harder for you. you. You've got those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Me, I work in one location, and there's not so many along the route. And also, too, you know, of course, like you know, you've mentioned things like the family. I've got two very young children. I've got a, I've got a, literally, I've, I've got a baby, ten month old, and a three year old. So, I'm basically racing home every day after work. Your attention to, is based there, and it should be. So that's, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying it's good that it's there. It's good as there, you know, but you know, it's nice to have a bit more free time to geocache. But okay, but nonetheless, a little older, I'm sure. When they oh, yeah. get a little older, I'm sure. <laughs> and and which at the same time, I'll be getting a little bit older. But that's wonderful, actually. And when when I when they get a little bit older, actually, it's going to be a fun a fun thing to bring my son geocaching. Yeah, I did actually bring him geocaching once, and and we got one together. And then we he, we uh, also went once, remember, in the castle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Castle. And then I brought him to a couple, uh, another couple I tried to get in, in Kobe, which he he gave me away. <sighs> Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, what are you doing? You got to get him on the 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 down low. You got to teach him the code. You know. Yes. My, that is true. I went, when I was in America this Christmas, I visited my brother and my nieces. About a, it's exactly actually a year to the day of your older son. Mm. And um, what was interesting is she thinks it's treasure hunt pirate time. So that after I left, uh, she kept saying to my brother, uh, when are we going to go treasure hunting? Uh, she, she wants to do that. Uh, nice. So she's learned it's a secret. You've got you to you gotta inculcate him into the, into the mysteries of, of the secret. That is something I will do, I think, maybe, maybe in April. I have, yeah. a, I have a bit of vacation time. I'll take him out. Now, um, so that's geocaching in a nutshell. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, PJ, how did you get hooked? On geocaching how did you get involved in it or how did it's you a, discover it it's a long and sad story but the short of it is <laughs> that uh, I was dating someone many years back I'd say in the early 2000s I don't know exactly and we were looking for a hobby to share together and we had read about geocaching and at that oh, okay. time the GPSRs were very expensive but we ordered one for several hundred dollars us yeah gosh in the early in the early 2000s that would have it, been like four or five hundred bucks it was a major investment and unfortunately we did that in part to save a relationship that was dying and unfortunately the relationship in fact died before the gps arrived i was wondering i had no idea you had a gpsr that's why you no, just I mentioned didn't. uh the my partner got it and um, oh so when it. the relationship ended my interest in geocaching ended okay okay and then it was just last year, a fellow uh, uh, a YouTuber whose name I can't remember now, so I feel really bad, but uh, someone in the Chugoku region uh, was into geocaching and mentioned it on their Facebook page, just very so, casually that they had started to get into this. A fellow YouTuber? Well, you're not talking about Molly, are you? No, no, no. I didn't know. I learned. I met Molly through you. This was oh, actually, okay, okay. This is Hito something. Oh, okay, okay. 
Okay. Anyway, um, he mentioned it on Facebook, and I thought, you know, that was that hobby I tried to get into earlier. Because I, I was always, as a child, into, you know, Hardy Boy or Nancy Drew Mysteries or that kind of adventure stuff. So yeah. I thought, you know, let me try this. And I went online, and I found out you could do it nearly for free. I mean, you can do it completely for free if you want, but there are paid applications on phones and paid, you know, me- memberships to increase your abilities but basically it's a, the freemium model you know, as you well know yeah. and so i tried it I, I downloaded the free app and there was a, a the first cache was about five minutes from my house on foot i tried it and i found it and i was hooked that kind of you know people are walking by you and we call them muggles much like yes, you know, yes. from the harry harry potter world the idea that people there's two worlds people who know the secret and people who don't yeah. And I just love that. And ever uh, that was back in May of 2013. So what? I don't know. Six months ago. Yeah, yeah. Not even a year ago. Whatever. And since then, it's been four four hundred plus since then. Uh, just uh, finding them. And there's a lot of urban caches. I mean, in Japan itself is probably I don't know about ten thousand caches. I'm not sure, but someone told me that once. And in the Kansai area, there are thousands. And uh, many in Kobe, uh, more in Osaka, less in. Also, and, and they're mostly they're mostly small urban caches, and they're usually yes. pretty close together too, aren't they? They're like really kind of clustered. They tend to be very close, so that you can do two, three, or four in a day and only spend an hour or two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that if you're commuting, like I would hit one on the way, I'd get off on an earlier train station than if I'm going to work, let's say in Higashi, Osaka, East Osaka city. Uh, one of my universities there, I might get off on a train stop earlier than I normally get off. Five minutes from the station, there's one. I find it. I sign the log. I register online. And then I get back on the train and go to work. So that's kind of been my uh, pattern. Okay. Now, now, now for, for you folks out there listening, um, one of the key things that um, PJ mentioned about the, the muggles. You know, he mentioned mm. the concept of muggles. And if you're familiar with Harry Potter, muggles are non-magic people. And um, when when you are finding a geocache, like PJ mentioned, you find it, they tend to, whether they're big or small, sometimes they're small, they, they have something called a logbook. And when you, when you become a geocacher, you sign on as an official geocacher on the official geocaching site, you have to take like a, a username or a handle. And there's a logbook which you sign, and, mm-hmm. you sign, and you sign the date that you found it, and just to show that you were there. And then you actually log it in like digitally, either onto the website itself when you get home on a computer or via like an, a, a, smartphone. a smartphone app. Um, and the, the key thing about Muggles is when when you're when you're looking for this app, uh, when you're not the, when you look for an app, when you're looking for the the geocache, you don't want to be caught finding it, right? Yes. So it's very secretive. It's very kind of, and that's one of the things I find cool. But it. it's very kind of cloak and daggerish. Yes, you exactly. feel like you feel like you're doing something dangerous and wrong, almost. <laughs> and it way. gives you all the pleasure without any of the societal negatives. You're not exactly. actually committing any crime. You're it's perfectly legal, but you're having fun because you're inside a secret that other people aren't in. And you're kind of snooping around, being very kind of clandestine, very clandestine. And I find, and sorry to interrupt, but I find that you and I have lived in Japan a long time. And a certain amount of the glow has worn off. I know that might shock some of your Japan fans, but the glow wears off. You live here. It's part of life. 
But mm -hmm. what I found in geocaching is I'm rediscovering my city and rediscovering my area, the Kansai. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly I'm going to temples and shrines. And the idea with geocaching is that they're placed in places of value. Yeah, a exactly. Historical, a battlefield, a museum, a beautiful art piece. And therefore, it, it gives me and anyone who does it kind of the appreciation for what they've already. I mean, I've lived in this Osaka so long that I don't go anywhere that is not in my normal route. But now, because of geocaching, I'm 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 visiting historical and cultural sites that I haven't seen in decades, decades in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that that's something that actually uh, Jim Mullins, Mully. Yeah, Mully. Who, by the way, all of you guys out there know if you listen to episode one of the Just Japan episode podcast. One, good guy. He was a host. Uh, he was a host. He was a guest. I was a host. Yeah, and, you were the host. And he's also, a, you know, a YouTuber. And he mentioned to me one time we were having a, a Skype chat, and he said we were talking about geocaching, and he's into geocaching. And he mentioned that um, he never places a cache. No, when he places a cache, he puts great thought and significance into the location because yeah. he he wants it to be somewhere special. That if someone is going to go out of their way, especially he lives in kind of a more rural area. Mm -hmm. They're gonna get in their car and they're gonna drive to, the, to this place to find out to find this cash. He wants to make sure that it's worth their while, that it's got a beautiful vista or a beautiful view, that it's in a special place. Yes, and that's and, part of the guidelines on ground speak. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Ideal, ideally, a spot that is worthy of the visit. Exactly, exactly. You I mean you've gone there, you found the cash, and then you can sit back and say, "Wow, this is a nice place." For whatever reason, mm -hmm. it, it's a historical place. A place of some kind of cultural significance or just you know it's really nice um so you've you've been you've been geocaching since may yeah um and so what is that now eight months now nine months eight months there 400 caches in eight or nine months pretty impressive yeah um, you know me i'm obsessive and then i forget something and i don't do it ever again that is true <laughs> that is true um so so i uh i'm wondering have you yeah. met Many people through geocaching. Yes, um, and and do a lot of Japanese people do it? Well, I again, I don't know. Uh, can you still hear me? Because the video. Oh, I, I can hear you absolutely. Yeah, I can okay. see you too. By the way. Ooh, I'm sorry about that. Um, by the, by uh, the way, for, for those of you mentioning, but the you here to mention a video right now. We're actually doing this as a Google Hangout, uh, and then I, I I pull the audio off of it. Well, that's no problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Um, anyway, so, what you were so, yeah. saying. I was told that there's more than 5,000 Japanese geocachers by uh, a famous geocacher in the Kansai, uh, Shin JP. Oh, yes, uh, I am familiar with Shin JP. I haven't met him, but... You will eventually, and he's a big... He's a, a social geocacher, so we have events every month or two. Okay. And uh, he's fluent in English, and one of the nice things I like about geocaching is that it is intercultural because though the two dominant countries are the United States and Germany and to a lesser extent the greater Europe Canada and now Japan and South Korea so that because of all those different people you find that English has to be the medium of communication and even in Japan 50 to 70 percent of the information on the website is in English or true, at least yeah. partially translated. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and someone like Shin goes out of their way to meet foreigners from America, from Canada, from Europe, from Asia, 
and he's placed about 50% of the caches in, in the region. And uh, so he's he kind of took me under his wing and through him I've met maybe about 30 Japanese geocachers. Most of them are in their 30s and up, but there are, are young people as well. And, and one of the things that they like about geocaching is they can use it to use their English. Oh, nice, nice. And we can use it to use our as best as we can, our Japanese. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So <clears throat> you mentioned that you, um, there are kind of uh, social events with the geocaching. Yes. So w what would that entail? Um, I'm assuming you, you guys, you meet up somewhere, you do a bit of geocaching, and then maybe go to a Nizakaya or a pub or something you like know that? well, sir. Um, <laughs> during August, when geocaching had their month of geocaching, and the goal of that month was that every day you found at least one of these caches. We would meet up once, what was it, almost every day <laughs> for okay. a month. But I couldn't attend all of them. But there was, uh, along the loop line, which uh, those of people who might not know Osaka, large cities like Osaka and uh, Tokyo have uh, trains that run around the perimeter, the middle mm. perimeter, I should say. Yeah. And they're called loop lines. In, Japan, in, in Japanese, it's Kanjo-sen here in uh Osaka. Yeah, like in, in Tokyo, they've got the Yamanote line. Yamanote, yes. In, in Osaka, it's a Kanjo Center, the Osaka Loop Line, right? Yes, and and so we would there would be one every couple of stops, every few days, and the idea was you'd meet, we'd have a drink or two on the platform, we would drink right in front of everyone, have a, a beer or two from the the vending machines, which is legal in Japan. <laughs> yes, and then just find one or two caches, and then maybe go to a second bar or izakaya, well, nice. as you mentioned. That sounds wonderful. And, and though now that August is over, we don't do that every few days. Um, but the, at least once or twice a season, there is a meetup. Okay. We had one in Hirakata, which is a city next to Osaka, um, in uh, what is it now? Fe uh, March? It was February, March. early February. And about 25 people came uh, five foreigners and 20 Japanese. And we went. We took spent basically spent an afternoon finding caches from the heart of Hirakata all the way to the uh, kind of suburban uh, parks. And it was lovely. Uh, and it's yeah, a good I remember you, you invited me to that one. Yeah, that was. That you was had something. family obligation. I had a family obligation, and then the family obligation was canceled because one of my kids got sick. Oh, you should. Oh, but no, you had to watch the kid. Oh well, yeah, exactly, exactly. You and yeah. your parental yeah parental desire to help there that goes a eh? gosh golly want to be a good dad and all but um so i i mean that kind of that kind of segues into actually exactly the, the next question I, I, I was wondering okay. if you could tell me about some of the more interesting or exciting cash experiences you found have, have you had some like just i mean have you been to some like really fascinating places or have you oh have, you, uh, have too you, many to tell but but ba one one that kind of hits my mind right away, um, there's an old train track that that train track train line that that runs up from Osaka City to uh, oh I don't know up in the mountains of uh, Hyogo and then back to Kyoto uh, Prefecture, um, and it's abandoned. And along that line, there are maybe half a dozen tunnels. And some of the tunnels are so long that when you enter the tunnel, you cannot see the other side. It takes 10 or 15 minutes of blind walking before you see a light at the end of the tunnel, to, to borrow the cliche. 
and there are several caches, many placed by Xin, but also by others, along this trail. And it takes wow. a better part of a day, but you can literally um, feel your way. Even if you have lights, you can't see everything. And you're feeling in these subterranean tunnels in the mountains. You basically need a headlamp. Yeah. Now, and I have one now. Um, I didn't have <laughs> one before. And actually, geocaching says you can't place caches underground, but they can be in tunnels. Oh, okay. And, okay. and therefore, um, <laughs> and there are several along, and other places in Kyoto, as you know, I work in Kyoto uh, one day a week or two days a week, depending. And um, Kyoto is famous for their temples and shrines and historical locales, uh, you know, mm. and they're placed all around there. So, you know, when I first came to Japan 15 some years ago, I uh, went to all these places. Yeah. But in the last 10 years, I don't, I don't tourist. I don't do. Of the course, tour. when you, you the, the the tourist thing, when you yeah. when you come here and you're new and you're fresh and you're like, wow, I want to explore everything. But now yeah. we live here, and you know, our day to day is different. But yeah. because of geocaching, I'm going back to. I went to a temple that was in the hill, the back hills of northeastern Kyoto that is 850 years old and on the day i went there it was lightly snowing and nobody else was not even the priests were were present in the temple and to be among the bamboo and the japanese pine in the the kind of a very small valley uh it was wow. it was like a a movie if you will that's pretty amazing yeah yeah, yeah. and that's what geocaching brings to me now wow. you know it brings to other people i think well, man, it sounds like it brings a lot of joy. Yes. That's awesome. That's and amazing. And mindless joy in a way because, you know, you have the pressures of family and life and work. And you can take an hour or two out of the week or the day and say, I'm just going to focus on finding something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that, that's that kind of, it's like exercising, like you run or other people do different things to relieve that stress. For yeah. me, that is a stress relief. No, that's – yeah, well, that's it. It's a damn good stress relief. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Do you think – now, I don't know. Do you think there's a certain type of person who's a, who's attracted to geocaching? Yes. And, um, and what people, kind of person would that be? <laughs> someone who is intellectually um, – some people who – some people love a challenge. And whether – sometimes they find that through literature. Sometimes they find that through, you know, some kind of online activity. A lot of YouTubers – I'm surprised more are not into geocaching because mm. at least the content providers, because at some level they like to show off yep. and learn at the same time. Mm. And geocaching kind of suits that because you can both hide your own caches and find other people. So it's that kind of, I mean, some of them are, we haven't talked about, but there are puzzle caches where there's no, the GPS does not lead you to a specific container but leads you to a place where you have to count the number of trees or the number of benches or the, the distance between two objects and then use a mathematical formula to find the, the correct GPS coordinates. GPS, yeah. if we haven't mentioned it, is a satellite-based um, global positioning system, system right? GPS. No well, sir. Created by the U.S. military and first enabled to better in, kill people around the world in the 1990s exactly um and uh it wasn't until the 2000s that civilians were really truly able to use it and between um, that and now the russians competing system uh, the Glo golnas system 
the GPSRs will have both systems on. And if you get both systems going, you can get down to a meter. Now, the military services are down to a few centimeters. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. civilian equipment is a couple of meters. But it's close enough that you can find a lot. And it's exciting. And it's challenging. And it's technical for people like you and me who enjoy tech as well as mm-hmm. kind of being out in the outdoors. I'm not a, I'm a city guy more than you are, but we enjoy kind of using tech outside. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. No, for sure. And, and I mean, to be honest, um you know, you know, uh those those of you I've already mentioned the show, you know, tonight, uh but in the previous shows or those of you who follow me on YouTube, you know that I have like a young family. But if I was if I was in a situation where I was single or, you know, didn't have little kids, which, by the way, I love having little kids. Yes, but if you I didn't, do. You talk about them all the time positively. Absolutely. But if I didn't, um, I would probably be as uh, – I won't use the term obsessive, PJ, but enthusiastic. Very. A, a geocacher as you. Uh, no, but so I, I, would absolutely, I would absolutely I, – I, to be honest, I'd probably be traveling all around Japan on the weekends. Sure. Um, I think about like you know when I was single and like living in Korea in the little one room apartment and had quite a bit of disposable income. I'd I'd absolutely if 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 I if I had known about geocaching then and it, well and if I had technology at that point, sure. um, I I would have been just all over the place looking to for. To be it. honest with you, I'm going up to Saitama later this month, partially for the figure skating championships, but also mm-hmm. because it will be my northernmost geocache find and there's a dozen near the stadium so to be honest i'm doing a twofer i'm gonna watch nice, nice. Uh, the championships and hit a couple oh, you're, of, oh, you're, i didn't know you're, you're going to the world figure skating championships yes nice. i couldn't get tickets to the performance because they sh- sold out in a couple of days bastards oh can we say that i don't know anyway, yes we can say that that's fine um it sold out too quickly my tax refund didn't come until a few no, days that's because of uh, the, the han Yu patrick chan yeah. thing right so i'm gonna go up and watch the practice go canada you can, buy, you can buy cheap tickets for the uh wait a minute you broke up can you hear me yeah i can still hear you our our, our picture has broken up but i can okay. still hear you fine no problem Keep in going. any case i'm gonna go up for four days and watch the practice han Yu and others uh do their practice patrick and while chan. i'm there yeah. <laughs> Go Canada. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like Patrick Chan. I, not as much as I like Hanyu and the Japanese team. Yes. Well, you know, yes. That's yes. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Le, le, um, yeah. Left best unsaid. Um, yeah. Nonetheless. Um, Talented skaters. All of them. Yes. All of them. Yeah. But Go Canada. Okay. Sorry. Canada did very well. Not only did Patrick Chan represent... But, I mean, Hanyu's trainer and Javier, what's his name? I, well, actually, that's the thing it's that Brian I joked Orson. around. Yeah. Brian Orso, I joked around with my students. I'm like, by the way, although you, you deserve a third of that gold. I, I was like, actually, I was like, technically, you know, I own a piece of your gold medal. And they're like, why? I'm like, because because Hanyu lives in Toronto. Yes. And his coach is, um, you know, the Brian Orso. Brian Orso. Who, who, was, who was Kim Yuna's coach as well and yes. he led her to gold in vancouver and several and, i mean about a half a dozen other people who have regularly placed or nearly placed so he's yeah. an amazing coach oh yeah and i mean he won he he was he was like a three-time or two-time he, uh, world he, champion he himself the gold by like point two yeah but he lost to brian boitano and i can't yeah. i the, can't the battle that. of the brian's exactly back. brian boitano was pretty fantastic back in the day so well brian boitano was a better technical skater but i think um, Orser had more art 
Yeah, I would agree. Hearts. I would agree. That, I, would, yeah. I would agree with myself. <laughs> I would agree with myself. And but there anyway, we go. We're also we sidetracked into but to show the beauty of geocaching is that every and a true geocacher says everywhere they can go for family or for sport or for whatever they think can I also geocache at that location? Yeah, and and it makes sense. It's like runners are like that too. They're like I'll always bring my running shoes, my running gear, yeah. my bag just in case. I can get it for, even if I can get it for twenty minutes here or thirty minutes there, you know. Um, which is running is something I haven't really been doing much of lately, but I'm I'm c- catching the fire. Are you gonna again. get back into that? I, I've been starting to, been starting to. I've gone for uh, last two weeks. I've been out for five runs, which is pretty amazing for me. But uh, for me, that's impossible. But, yeah, I, I fell out of love with running. You'll fall I, back in. As like I said, I lost my running mojo. I'm trying to get it back again because of the uh, five or six kgs. Or actually, I'm think I'm being kind of a bit. Uh, yeah, maybe more I've gained recently. But that's a whole other topic, too, guys. Keep in mind, though, you do have a full time job and you have two children and 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 and, 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 and there will be YouTube <laughs> and I mean you're insane. You're online every ten minutes, so well, it yeah. does take a little bit of time. Yeah, and and there will be uh, actually a a running a running in Japan episode of the Who Just are you Japan podcast. Get for that? Well, probably my old friend Scott. Um, oh, you know. I love Scott. I work with Scott. Yeah, at yeah. A, a university shall not be named, but nonetheless. But Scott Brown, Scott Brown was my my co-host on the uh, Running in Japan yes. video podcast, and uh, <laughs> and who knows about running? It's that man. Uh, it was kind of the yin and the yang. We had the the serious hardcore runner, and then I'm the uh, I go out and schmooze around. I go out and shuffle around for an hour, and then I come back and drink some beer. Well, you've done a little bit more than that. You've run marathons, but no, well, yeah. he is hardcore. Yeah, he's actually you. Yeah, he's no, not. no, he's actually he's literally he's an elite masters runner. Yes. So he, you can actually put that tag elite. Um, I'm I'm a beer runner, which is I'm I'm cool with that. But 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 that's another topic. Okay, we're, Back we're to off. geocaching. We're off. That's the thing, guys. Um, that's between no the two of us, we'll never get finished. You'll have to. And I are old friends who love to talk. Um, so let's yeah, get, try to get back at you. So okay. Um, if people want to learn more about geocaching, PJ, like in general, okay. So uh, let's think about online resources. Um, they they've heard us talk about uh, geocaching in Japan. They've heard us talking about the the adventures of finding places, uh, finding new caches. They've heard us talking about Brian Orser, Brian Boitano. <laughs> they've they've heard us talking about That's all kinds 78? of. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Off off topic. I'm just wondering how far back was that? That was oh, 19. That was 1988. Hey, damn God! Thank God. damn God. Is that no, you, <laughs> can't, but, uh, you know what I mean? But I'm damn God doesn't even make sense. Yeah, but um, it was in 1988, uh, Calgary Olympics. That was classic. That and was I don't the, like the Olympics very much, but I, I I just love figure skating and I love well, and not for the reasons that you necessarily think. You horrible man. But to me, figure skating and I we're off topic. You can edit this out, but I'm just gonna say this: figure skating is physics, the beauty of science, sports. Theater, and let's face it, it's pretty camp. Oh, yeah, of course. And when it's done well together, it's high art, in my opinion. Mm. When you oh, combine yeah. those things, it's amazing. And someone like Orser or Boitano or Patrick Chan or Hanyu or a half a dozen others, they really have that, that near perfection that we'll never achieve. And I admire that because well, my, you know, my, fa- my perfection is only in drinking. Or to, to be... I mean, to be honest, um, I don't have a lot of uh, affinity towards figure skating, but I can really appreciate it for it what it is. And I, I was for quite a while um, quite a big fan of Elvis Stoiko. Yes, El- Elvis he was Sto- amazing. 
And what I love about Elvis Soiko, another Canadian figure skater who was a w- world champion several times. He ma- he medaled in the Olympics but never got gold. Um, Canada's had bad luck in that. He had bad luck. Yeah, it, it's but true. They've like, always it, been up there. It's like they really. It's like Canadians seem to the peak the few years before. Like they'll be like the the world champion like two or three years leading up to the Olympics, and then the Olympic year they poop out. And then maybe the following year, the world That's champion again. Critical. I wouldn't even go that far. The problem with figure skating, and we're way off topic, so you might edit this for another day. But again, it is very political, and mm. Canada doesn't have the the weight. To which we're, well, what, which is what we're seeing now with like the last one. I mean, yes. uh, in, in the Sochi Olympics, obviously, I really think the men's figure skating was straight up. Hanyan was better than not the women's though. But the women's, obviously, there was, you know, Kimuna and the Russian, big thing. And then when you look at, the, actually, when you look at the Paris, or the ice dancing. Yes. Canada, America, like, the, there was a whole, that the French tabloid came out with a whole thing that there had been a vote rigging. There had been a, a whole thing beforehand where. There had been in previous Olympics. And, and yeah. there was a question whether there was this time. And I think there probably was. Mm. Although, I will say both teams, it, it could have gone six, what are they, what are, what's the expression? Six of one, so, half a dozen of the other, or. Yeah, something yeah, you know, some, something like that. Yeah, I think the Canadian team was slightly more artistic, and I think the American the American team, team were more technical, a little more. Yeah, te- yeah. Um, but back to geocaching. So, <laughs> go ahead. I'm so, so. I, I might I might just leave this all in and just tell That's people. That's fine. I don't care. I'm, give them an FYI. By the way, this is, this kind of goes into figure skating talk, which is fine because it's my podcast. Um, you can do what you want. I can do what I want, guys. It's your um, point. So, <laughs> And I cry if I want to. No, okay. Yeah, I was thinking the same damn thing. Damn it. Um, okay, so, uh, so if people want to learn about geocaching, where should they go? The first resource. Uh, there's you actually mentioned, you mentioned Groundspeak, for example. Groundspeak and, is the dominant one. Um, which is, can, can you throw the URL there? No, I can't. I think it's groundspeak.com. I think or so. If yeah. they just type in geocaching.com, it will go to the same site. In deference to the alternatives, there are about three or four worldwide alternatives. Um, there's one called open source caching, where they do slightly less than legal sites and locations and securities. But geocaching has a couple of strict rules, and one of them is we can't endanger public safety. So you can't hide it on an airplane. You can't put it in a in an area that might endanger national security or public safety. Uh, And I like that, number one. And number two, in Japan anyway, geocaching is dominant. The other two or three sites that I've checked out don't have a lot of uh, 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 sites. Uh, So geocaching.com is probably... Geocaching.com, I'm looking at it right now, and that's that's the place to go. And it's multilingual. They've got like 18 languages on the website, so no matter what language they speak, someone will be able to yeah talk, walk them through it and what's really great guys out there if, if you if you want to learn too you go to geocaching.com and you go to, they've got a youtube channel they got the link below they've got the yeah. twitter the facebook the, the the instagram but you go to the the youtube channel and they've got a lot of really great a lot of really great videos um, that really can inspire you teach you about it they've got a lot of like really simple like nutshell tutorials that are well edited, mm-hmm. that teach you, like, this is what geocaching is. This is a yeah. cache. This is how you find a cache. This is how you log a cache. It's and very always, useful. Very useful. And, and then there's, like, some really fun ones about, like, how to make a creative cache, how to hide a creative cache. Mm-hmm. Like, where there's people who have, like, you, like, literally, like, you find, like, a fake rock on a wall, and it pops open, and there's a remote control. And the people yeah. push the button, the remote control, 
and like something comes out of a tree. <laughs> like some pretty Those amazing are things. Rare, but they are out there and they're treasures. Yeah. So geocaching.com is definitely a place to go. Now you also mentioned that about free. I'm sorry, just to say quickly again, mm. there's a free app, both Google and uh, uh, iPhone. Uh, go iPhone. And um and they have premium memberships and premium apps. My recommendation, and I, I push this on my students at university because I think it's a way they can use English. And I tell them, start free. Start free everything and then scale up as you want to or need to. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's how I do it when I do go geocaching occasionally. I, I do have the geocaching, the official geocaching app on my iPhone. And I do have the paid one. I paid for it. Um, you know, just because I wanted a, a, a few extra this and that, you know, the, the bells and whistles. It helps. It, it, it does help. It does help. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think geocaching is a wonderful hobby. Um, again, I, w I was introduced to it by John Soleil. Uh, so, John, if you're listening, thank you very much. Yeah, th Rog, uh, props out to him because you introduced me to him, but he's a regular contributor on geocaching on the website. And on Facebook, yeah. he's always reaching out to give advice. And uh, it's one of the things that I like that it's very international. Wherever you're from, wherever you are, people will be kind of willing to reach out and help each other. Yeah. And I, it was really great. I remember, I think back to the first time I ever found a, a cache. And I went out, John was visiting Japan and he brought me out to a few places. Um, and he kind of like said, like, all right, like so, it's right around here. Go find it. And I just remember he kind of sat back with a big smile on his face, like the joy of there. There were caches that he had already found before, and he's sharing it with you. He was bringing me to them to show me, and it was like, wow, that's pretty damn. Well, cool. Do you remember when your your older child went with us in 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 Osaka, and the excitement of opening that large container that was at Osaka yeah, Castle? We we found that big container in the wall, and he, yeah. oh god, he was so excited. Yeah, dancing around, and he was just like, what the heck's going on here? And how many hobbies are are there out there that really that that a three year old and a forty some year old can enjoy? Yeah, exactly. You know, that exactly. it really does. It can bring the family together. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and I definitely plan on doing the, the kind of a more as as my son gets older, bringing him into the the geocaching fold, and that will give me an opportunity to finally actually. I mean, hey, let's just get outside for the day. And, yeah. and do some geocaching, and it's a good, uh, like you know, dad and son time together, and get some exercise, and that's a great thing too. It's a great way to just get outside and see some new places and do some new things, and appreciate you know. the area that you live in or are visiting. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Um, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up. Well, there, we PJ. spent what, three hours on this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite under an hour. But um, so so if if uh, people want to find you online, PJ, how can they do that? That's the mystery. That's the, they that's the if they want to talk to you. Well, I'm not sure that anyone should, but if they want to, two possible ways. Uh, I I do have a YouTube channel, Kansai PJ, K A N S A I, and that's the region that we live in. Space PJ uh, initials. Uh, you can find me there. I don't check it regularly, but I do check it from time to time. The other way would be an email address, kansaipj, one word, uh, at Mark. Oh, so Japanese. Yeah, just at. <laughs> yeah, at uh, me.com. 
Okay. It's an Apple address, and I do I check that daily. Um, and I'm well. If people are curious about Japan and or hello, hello name who shouldn't be mentioned, but lovely nonetheless. Oh. You didn't oh. see her. <laughs> She's like a ninja. Hello. hello, hello. I'm not saying your name, but I hello. <laughs> he can't. Oh yeah, so I've got ear. I've yeah. got earphones. Uh, saying hello. Tell her I miss her. <laughs> anyway, like you can edit this out later. Yeah. Um, where were we? I, I will. <laughs> Kansai PJ at uh, me dot com. Um, but you know, basically, YouTube works. Those many of you are listeners, not all, yeah. but many. Are YouTubers who know you through Busan Kevin or yep, yep, one of true. your other thousand channels? And um, actually, only two now. Well, still, nonetheless, you are a media two, empire. Two is almost a thousand. Yeah. My well, yeah, 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 yeah. Through you, so I'm all over the you place. Can yeah. Put the links in. I don't mind if you want to add that to your uh, show notes or what have you. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm open. Um, I just I'm not an active blogger, so they should know that if if it's purely on YouTube, I may not see it for a while. That is true. That is true, guys. So um, PJ talked about his contact information. All that contact information, of course, will be in the show notes at busankevin.com for episode six of the Just Japan podcast. Also, you can find the links to the different geocaching resources that we talked about uh, again in the show notes at busankevin.com. Now, again, you know, I, I want to say thanks for, for taking the time to stop by, download the, the, the Just Japan podcast, and listen. And a few things coming up. Later on this week, I am going to be forming a Patreon page. And a Patreon page is something I'll let you know more about uh, once it's, it's up and running and I have the, the, the video developed for it. But it's basically a way that, you know, if you want, you can help um, help out with the Just Japan podcast and the other projects I do, my YouTube uh, my YouTube endeavors, and that is just a way that, you know, if, if you enjoy the show, you can help out. Um, so again, the Patreon page, that's going to be going up soon. When it does, um, you can, you'll find out more about it on BusanKevin.com, of course, on my Facebook page, on my Twitter, at JLandKev. Um, you know, I'll also talk about it on uh, my YouTube channels, BusanKevin and JLandKev. But again, uh, Patreon.com, it's a great way for for people out there who enjoy uh, content creators and they enjoy content creation to help support those content creators. So again, more to come soon, um, and I will let you guys know when when that's up and going. Now, I also um, you know wanted to mention that you can of course contact me at any time at jlandkev j l a n d k e v jlandkev on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook. The link is in the show notes on my Facebook page. Okay, which is something that I'm constantly looking at from my iPhone. Um, you can send me an email at busankevin at gmail.com. And uh, remember, please, um, you know, if, if you're downloading the show from iTunes, please leave a review and rate the show because that helps, um, you know, push the podcast up on the iTunes charts, which, you know, and of course, share the Just Japan podcast on your social media. You know, tweet it out, um, share it on your Facebook, let other people know if, if you like the show. Now... I I had a great time interviewing PJ for this episode. It was a lot of fun. I think it's a great topic because I'm a geocacher as well. Maybe not as active as PJ. Uh, well, actually, certainly not as active as PJ. But um, it is something that I have a lot of fun doing. And as as my kids get older, it's something I want to get them involved in with as well. So, 
Again, thank you for listening to the Just Japan podcast. Remember, all the links to today's show are in the show notes. And I will be talking to you next week. So take care wherever you are. Be happy, be healthy, be strong. 